just use this instead of the other one. All right, let me adjust this. I do this to make people feel short. Um, how's everyone? Good. You guys are a tough crowd. Like I thought my crowd when I was at, at Purdue University was tough because they're like always, you know, because college students they come in, they're like doing whatever till all hours of the night, and then it's Sunday morning they roll in and they're just like, oh. you guys are tough too. Um, I don't know. I, I just smile more. All right, we're talking about suffering today. Just enjoy it. All right. <laughs> um, open your Bibles to Romans chapter five. And I will read this passage and we'll move on. <clears throat> Not to belittle the passage, but we'll read this passage and then we'll go on. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. All right, and this is what it says. Right, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts and through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Can we pray one more time? Um, God, we thank you for your word. Um, That is our our bread that we eat. um, And I pray that uh, we learn to feed on it daily. And um, I know sometimes uh, we get away from it too many days in a row. Uh, But as we come to it, please uh, nourish us and and feed us and uh, let us see that it is good, Uh, even though sometimes it's hard, uh, but it challenges us to grow. And I pray that as uh, we just grow in your word, that we'd uh, be brighter lights and and shine more to this world of your goodness and your grace and your glory to us. Uh, God, we uh, pray, be with us at this time, and uh, all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's try this. Uh, Complete the sentence, all right, complete the phrase. Um, In this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes. Right? Nothing is certain except death, death and taxes. You know who said that? The internet told me that Benjamin Franklin said that. All right? So I'm just trusting the internet, which is kind of scary. But um, uh, do you know the reason he said that? This is just curious facts, just so you know, so you're more intelligent. You can talk at the coffee shop. Um, he said it because uh, I guess they had just finished writing the Constitution, and he was writing a letter to someone. And in his letter, he said, uh, you know, um, I'm not, you know, they're kind of discussing the, the, the permanency of the Constitution. He's like, I'm not sure, you know, we wrote this and it's good, but we don't know how permanent it is. The only thing we know for sure is death and taxes, you know, so it's kind of a joke. That's where it comes from. Um, but um, I, I don't know why that's so popular. It's like we always hear that, right? Death and taxes, the only thing is certain in life. But there's so many more things in life that are certain as well, right? It's not just death and taxes. We, we have a lot of things. Um, uh, unfortunately, the, the one thing that is certain in life as well that we're going to talk about today is suffering. Right, is suffering, um, but it's, it's more than suffering. It's it's rejoicing and suffering, right? But the thing that's sure is suffering. Um, the passage uh, in the passage today, uh, verse three, it says, "More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings." Right? More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. 
which is like kind of like if you really stop and think about that, like, you know, break away from growing up in the church for like 20, 30, 40 years and think about that. Right? Rejoice in our suffering. Right? Those are like two words that should never be in the same sentence in like a complementary fashion. Right? There's like they're so opposite. It's like so paradoxical. Like if you if you are not a Christian and you walked in this church and then you heard someone say, We rejoice in our sufferings, you'd be like, What kind of psychological manipulation is this? This is like some psycho like thing. You're just trying to mess with my mind, right? And just change me. Like this is some like cult. Right? It has to be a cult, right? Like if you stop and think and if you're reasonable, right? So it's weird, right? More than that, we rejoice in our suffering, okay? And uh, I want to key in on that, and I want to look at those two words, uh, rejoicing and suffering, but let's look at suffering first, okay? Let's look at the word suffering. Uh, I looked it up in the dictionary, uh, and the definition of suffering is to undergo or feel pain or distress, right? To feel pain or distress, and this can be physical or mental, right? So, like, the bottom line of suffering is just pain, right? There's pain, right? It can be physical or mental, and uh, whether we kind of realize or really think about it or not, suffering makes up a really large part of our human experience. Like a lot of life, is there's suffering involved here or there. A lot of stuff we go through. Um, in fact, if you think of um, Buddhism, which is one of the major world religions, um, the central, it's centrally concerned with suffering. Right? Buddhism is like surrounding suffering. All if you've ever studied it. Uh, I'm not like an expert in it, but uh, you know the little I've read on it, it it's it's like, like in, in, there's like four noble truths of Buddhism, right? Number one is dukkha, right? Number one noble truth is life means suffering, right? Life means suffering. Okay, so the rest of Buddhism is kind of like how to get away from that suffering, and they kind of you know put in some like just. Just like separate yourself from stuff that you know is going to cause you to suffer, like all the pleasures of the world or whatever, and temporary stuff, and you know get away from that and kind of just go into like Zen or whatever, and and just okay. But but life means suffering, okay. So there's like um, they have like rough estimates, like the internet told me. It's my best spin, but it told me that uh, there's it's hard to count, but roughly maybe 350 million to a billion people are Buddhists, okay. So there's roughly a lot of people that subscribe to life means suffering, and they recognize and they look at it, and, and that's kind of like they, they centralize their lives around that, and they kind of, uh, you know, ebb and flow in life around this idea that life is suffering, and suffering is a huge part of life. Okay, and, and when you think about that, um, suffering is a huge topic, right? You can't meet a person on this planet that hasn't suffered in some way, shape, or form. Um, as I was uh, kind of putting this message together, I was trying to, uh, figure out a way to describe suffering. You know, I was trying to categorize it. Like, how do you categorize suffering? Like, what are the different components of it? Or what are the different types of it? Or like, how do you uh, describe what are the different degrees or to the extent in which you suffer? And, um, and, and it was hard. Um, I, f- I found one guy. Uh, he said um, that there are three types of suffering from a Christian perspective. Right? There's three types of, of suffering. And you know, I don't really think this is a complete or great list, but we'll use it. Right? We'll work from it. Um, the first type of suffering, he said, is a suffering that's common to all man. Okay, all man goes through this suffering. It's, uh, you know, whether you're sick, uh, you know, natural disaster, like in the Midwest, there's a whole bunch of tornadoes uh, running through Indiana, destroying stuff. Um, they all suffered uh, ailments, uh, whether it's work, uh, whether someone, you know, 
dies around you. Uh, it's suffering that's common to man. Everyone experiences it. Uh, the number two type of suffering right, is suffering that is specific to Christians. Right? Suffering that's specific to Christians. Uh, so persecution for being a Christian, um, attacks by Satan, all those different types of things um, that we think about uh, as far as you know, being a Christian and suffering. Right? Number three, third type of um, category for suffering is suffering as a consequence of immorality. Suffering as a consequence of immorality. Um, and in this, he talks about, uh, you know, if someone steals, you go to jail, right, because you did something wrong and you're going to suffer for it. Or um, if, if someone cheats you, all right, then because of that other person's immorality towards you, you suffer. All right, or, you know, gossip. Uh, if you drink too much and you crash your car and you owe a lot of money and you're going to go to jail, you know, it's suffering. Suffering because you do stuff wrong. Okay, and um, I was trying to look at his list. I'm like, this isn't very complete. You know, it's, it's, it seems like there's so much, like so many types of suffering that maybe don't even fall in these categories. It seems like maybe number one is like his catch-all suffering that's common to man. Everything else goes there. Right? But I was thinking, you know, there's like I would add like a fourth category. You know, suffering is a choice. Right? Because there's some suffering that we choose to participate in. Right? Whether um, you know, some of us we choose to diet. Right? And we're like, oh, I want that chocolate cake so bad. I want it. And we choose that. Right? We choose that. And it doesn't really seem to fit in any of these categories, maybe number one loosely. But, you know, it's like it, there's some suffering that's a choice. Right? And we quickly relieve ourselves from that suffering. Right? And we just go. Or exercise. Right? Some of us, um, we exercise and we choose to run uh, so we can be healthy. And, and we suffer. Right? Um, I remove myself from that often, okay? Or um, marriage, right? We choose marriage, and now we got to go through a whole life of suffering, okay, for you single people. No, I'm just kidding. Marriage is good. It's good. Uh, but, uh, but we choose suffering, okay? There's, there's, there's got to be a category where there's some choice involved, okay? But uh, along that line, there's, there's, it just seems like there's many more, uh, a lot more stuff going on than, you know, at least this guy put in here. But, um, but I feel like when we're talking about, um, you know, this rejoice and suffering phrase uh, in Christianity, uh, it seems like number two is where our minds seem to default, right? Um, suffering that is specific to Christians. Like when we say rejoice in your suffering, we think about, you know, like in Acts where the apostles are, are being persecuted and they, they get beat and then they're like rejoicing. Like we suffered for Jesus and, you know, they're rejoicing over that, right? And, and that's our mindset. It's like if, if we're going to rejoice for uh, suffering, we need to suffer for Christ, right? Or we need to go out there and do something for Christ that's going to get us persecuted. And if we get persecuted, then, then that's our joy, okay? But we don't necessarily always put it in with, uh, like, all the, you know, sickness or natural disaster or ailments or, or just working. Right? We'll talk a lot about working today, uh, and, and we'll kind of align it with that. Um, so the reason um, I want to talk about suffering right, is, is because it does seem like, in my mind at least, it seems like a lot of Christians, we're not good at suffering. Or we suffer very poorly. Okay? Or, or um, you know, we kind of like suck at suffering. Like we suffer and, and it's just like, it's, it's like everyone else in the world. Um, <clears throat> in fact, um, you know, as I think about it, it's like I feel like the way we suffer sometimes is... This is, it's, it's not almost, it is sinful, right? The, the way that we suffer and we handle our suffering, it, it's, it's sinful, 
right? And, and, and the reason I say that is, um, you know, two reasons. One, you know, in verse, uh, you know, Romans chapter 5, it says very clearly, you know, we rejoice in the hope of glory. There's other passages telling you, like, rejoice, you know, rejoice in your suffering. There's like all sorts of rejoicing and suffering going on in the New Testament, right? And that, that should be going on. Um, and, and sometimes we fail to do that. Okay, and number two is, um, you know, we're ambassadors of God, right? We're Christians. We represent God to the world. And when we fail to represent God properly, right, then, like, we're failing, right? And we're sinning, like, when we, uh, you know, do something. And, and that is, uh, I find, is one of the great criticisms of people that aren't Christians towards Christians, right, and people that have walked away from the church, right? It's one of the great criticisms that, that we represent God poorly. We represent Christ poorly, um, I've, um, you know, they're, they're always saying, like, you know, it's like Christians, they're just like everyone else. They go to church, but, you know, outside of church, they're just, they, they suffer and they, and they um, you know, they, they cry about everything just like everyone else. Um, I remember clearly talking to one of my friends um, in, in high, when I was in high school, and he was, I don't even know what he was. I think he was, uh, he was, he was just something, but... Uh, <laughs> He, I was talking to him, and it's like, you know, trying to make him a Christian because that's what you do when you're in high school and you make, try to make people Christian. And so I was talking to him, and he's like, I like Buddhism. And he's like, why do you like Buddhism? He's like, because they seem so, like, pure and at peace. Like, they have a real peace about them. You know, and, and my school um, was in the suburbs of Chicago. You know, we had a pretty decent-sized, like, decent-sized Asian population there is, like, maybe, like, less than 10% of the school. Not like here. Or like dominates, but we had some Asians, and, and they're all Korean, and we all went to church because that's like the Korean church, you know, that's like the way it was back in when I was in high school. So like, you know, th- he'd see all these Korean people that you know like wear a Christian on their shirt, and you know they they know you know that they're Christian, and and he just sees them, and he's like, they're not really that at peace, and they suffer just like everyone else. And uh, you know, I'd ha- I remember talking to one girl. Um, and she left the church, and she was like, you know, it's like I go to church with all these people, and, you know, when I'm outside of church, at school, at work, it's like they're just like everyone else. It's like I just I can't believe it. It's like there's no – like she couldn't – she didn't see the power of, of God in these people's lives. You know, and it's just, it's just, she just said they're hypocrites. You know, it's like there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing here. There's nothing real there. You know, and again, uh, you know, poor, poor representation of Christ by us, great criticism. Right, of people that aren't Christians. Okay, um, you know, it's like, as, as Christians, like, you know, we see how, how do people handle suffering? Right? How, to handle people, how do people handle suffering? I made, like, a short list. Uh, when we're suffering, we complain. Uh, we get bitter at our suffering. Uh, we turn to, you know, we get depressed. Maybe we eat a lot or we eat ice cream when we're suffering. Uh, we, you know, some people drink alcohol they blame God, they curse, they cry, they withdraw, they get frustrated, they feel all sorts of anxiety, all these different symptoms that, that you know, everyone else experiences. But you know, somewhere in my mind, it's like you got to think like the Christian should handle suffering like better than everyone else in the world, right? Like sh- shouldn't they somewhere? Like doesn't it seem like it at least? Like the Christian, when it comes to suffering, they should be able to handle it better than everyone else. Because right? they, ha- they sh- like we sh- we have something, right? We have some sort of truth that should allow us to handle suffering better than everyone else. Um, you know, I think uh, um, you know, for for example, maybe this is we'll touch home with you guys. Um, you know, it's Sunday. It's relatively early in the day. We still have a lot of hours left. 
right? Um, and I remember when I was working as an engineer, um, you know, come <clears throat> after dinner time, right? It gets dark outside, night comes, and then I get this anxiety, like this, you know, start thinking about work tomorrow, and you're like, I hate work. I don't want to go to work. And then, you know, I'd, I'd you know, do all these things. I'd, I'd complain about working. I'd get bitter. I wouldn't turn to alcohol or food. But maybe I'd get depressed, um, you know, and I'd feel anxiety. And, and you know, it's just, I just, just, ugh. You know, it's just like even like at, at considering work suffering, which it is, you know, it's a penalty for sin. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just, ugh, it ate at me. Right? And I suffered, and I suffered poorly. Okay, but again, somewhere in our mind, um, you know, Christians got to suffer better than everyone else, right? Way better than Buddhists, way better than other people too. Um, but let's turn to rejoicing. Right? We'll, we'll come back to that. Uh, rejoicing. Um, let me read again, verse three. <clears throat> More than that, uh, we rejoice in our suffering, right? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay, the word uh, rejoice here, right? the word rejoice, uh, when you look at it, uh, the Greek word is used a couple different ways, right? And it's, uh, I guess I'll use this as a definition. Uh, sometimes it's used a boast in, uh, sometimes rejoice is used as to glory in, or sometimes rejoice is used to take pride in. Okay, so, uh, you know, it says, not only this, but we boast in, we glory in, we take pride in suffering, our sufferings. Okay, and when you say that, um, you know, this is not to say that we should be, like, unnaturally happy when it comes to bad things happening to us. You know, it's like, when your grandmother dies, it's not like, yes, I was waiting for this moment for so long, and she's finally dead. Thank you, Jesus. Praise be to God. It's like, I can't wait for my parents next. You know, joy and suffering. Right? It's like, man, this is great. Like, it's like, it's, that doesn't mean that, right? I mean, it's like, it's, it's, it, there, there's not, uh, it, it just doesn't work like that. Right? Yeah, it's just, there's a reality to it. But what does it mean? What does it mean? I think there's uh, a very good example um, in, in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 12, this is where uh, David's son dies. You know, David uh, commits adultery with Bathsheba. She bears a son, um, and God uh, curses the son to be sick, and the son eventually uh, dies, right? And this is a little story of what's going on here. So let me read this to you. Right, it says, The Lord afflicted the child uh, that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. Uh, David therefore sought God on behalf of the child. And David fast, fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. And the elders of his house stood beside him to raise him from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spoke to him, and he did not listen to us. How then can we, how then can we say to him, His child is dead? He may do do himself some harm. Uh, but when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, Is the child dead? They said, He is dead. Then David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. 
He then went into his own house, and when he had asked, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, What is this thing that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. He said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows whether the Lord will be gracious to me that that child may live. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him but he will not return to me. Okay, Which is uh, an impressive account of someone who understands rejoicing and suffering. Okay, The reason that he can rejoice in his suffering is because David sees a great hope in God. Right? David sees a great hope in God. And he realizes that in life, while the child is still alive, though he's sick, he can look to God that God might save him. Right? And, and he can uh, take pride in God, right? rejoice, take pride in God that, that God might restore this, this child's life back to health. Right? But even in death, even in death, right, we see that David, uh, you know, glory, worships God. He goes to the temple, worships God, because he realizes that even in death, right, God, he, he has hope in God, and he knows that God can bring them together again in the afterlife. Right, so God, or David has this great hope in God. God is big for David. Right, this, he knows that, that God is a big God and he can do great things. Right, so even in his suffering, right, he can rejoice. Right, it may not be the happy skipping around rejoicing, but uh, boasting in, glorying in, taking pride in God. He can do that. He can do that. <clears throat> uh, when we turn back to Romans chapter 5, we see that uh, hope and suffering are kind of like the bookends of this formula that we get in Romans, uh, of, this, of this progression of things that are going on. Uh, it says, um, you know, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope, right? And hope does not disappoint us. All right, when we look at this passage, we've got to realize that, um, you know, if it said suffering, you know, rejoice in your suffering, period, and that was the end of the sentence and that was it, Right, then it's then it's psycho nonsense, right? That's, I'm just brainwashing you, trying to convince you of something that's not true. Okay, but uh, when it's suffering, when suffering isn't the end of rejoicing, okay, you rejoice in your suffering because it's going towards something, right? There's something else at the end of it, right? Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope, right? And hope is something. You know, hope in God does not disappoint. Hope in God does not disappoint. And when you think about it, this formula is very practical in life. Right? When you really think about it, that, that is a very practical formula. We live with that formula, uh, and, and we do life with that formula all the time. Right? Have any of us uh, ever participated in any sports? Right? I, played, I played soccer, tennis, volleyball in high school. Right? And, and um, the one I hated the most was soccer because I didn't really like soccer. I, I tried out for football. When I was a freshman in high school, I weighed like 80-some pounds. Right? I was really skinny. So, like, the coaches would make fun of me, and they're like, man, you can wear your weight on your jersey. It's like, do you ever think about playing soccer? It's like, like but I love football. Okay, but uh, so, so I went to go play soccer, right, because they told me that my gear weighed more than I did. Um, I should go back and sue them. I could probably file a lawsuit. 
But anyways, uh, I went to go play soccer, and one of the things I hated to do was the soccer coaches would, you know, they'd, we'd all be sitting there, and they'd be like, okay, now you guys go run for half an hour, right? Just like go run for half an hour and come back. I think this is just lazy coaching, but, but it's, you know, that's what you got to do if you're a soccer player. You got to run a lot, right? So they're just like, run, half an hour later, come back. I hated doing that because I don't like running. I hate running. I hate running for no reason. Like if, I, if there's like a ball, I'll chase it all day. But if it's just running for nonsense, that's what cars are for. Okay, but, uh, but there's training, right? And all of us have done, whether it's gymnastics or whatever the case might be, there's some sort of, uh, you know, weight training, something that uh, prove or, you know, cultivates endurance in us, right? Something that cultivates endurance. And, um, you know, through training in sports, we get, we get um, you know, this endurance built in us. We do all these different drills so that <clears throat> we'd have character built in us as well, okay? Because endurance, you know, leads to character. And, and that character so that, you know, when we're on the field and we're doing whatever we need to do, um, you know, we react the proper way and we do the right things because we have like this, you know, for me, it would be a soccer character, which I never really got. I never understood that game. But, um, but we, that's what's supposed to happen. Okay. And this was all with the hope, right? And, and you do this. You don't, you don't just run half an hour because you want to be, you know, have better endurance. Or you don't just run half an hour because, uh, you know, I want to have better character. But you run half an hour so that you can win games. Right? If, you, if the coach told me, you're going to run half an hour, but you're never going to win a game, I would have I quit that team that day. Right? But if you, if you told me you're going to run and you're going to train and you're going you're gonna to score goals and you're going to win, right? then that's something that I look to. I'm like, this is a goal. Right? And Because I have hope in that goal. I'm going to run even though I don't like it. I'm going to train even though I don't like it. And, and you know, I'm going I'm to do it. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer because I have a hope of something. And, and we see this relationship between hope and suffering um, everywhere. Like if you think about pro athletes, right, they're, they're always like these things are always going back and forth, hope and suffering, right? Um, if you're on, um, you know, there's, there's NBA players that take huge pay cuts to go to teams that are going to win national cha- or, you know, win the championship, right? They, they want to be on that team, right? On, on the other hand, you know, if you – if you're a player, uh, you know, like in the NFL, um, and, uh, you know, you, you know that your team's not going to go to the Super Bowl or even go to the playoffs, right, it's like, for, who cares? You know, they, they quit. They stop trying, right? They don't go to practice. You know, there's all these controversies that spur up. But if their contract's coming to an end, right, and they stand to make $15 million more the next year, they're trying hard. They're running. They're, they're beating their brains in suffering so that they can make more money. Right? Their great hope is the paycheck. Right? It's not necessarily the Super Bowl, but it's the paycheck. Right? So you see this, this relationship right, between hope and suffering. If you have a great hope, you're willing to go through great suffering. Right? If you have no hope, right, either you've got to just sit there and endure the suffering or you, you quit. Right? You quit. Right? Um, Think about that. Um, you know, I just thought... Again, hope must be something great. Right? Hope must be something great. Um, thinking back to, to jobs again. Right? Um, when I was in college, um, um, you know, many of us, or some of us are still in college, right? so pay attention. Right? But many of us are out of college and working. Um, when I was choosing a major in college, okay, that's one of the great hopes when you're young and you're choosing majors. and you know, it's, it's the major and the money. 
right? The major and the money. You got to get the major and the money. So sink in. Uh, when I was in college, I went through three different majors. I jumped around a lot. Uh, my first one was uh, biomedical engineering. Right? That was my first major. And the reason I chose it, like I had no clue. I was like, I don't even know what I want to do. I like working with stuff. My dad's a doctor. My brother's going to be a doctor. You know, biomedical engineering, that sounds good. Right? And it, it does, right? Because you got like the engineering side of it. And then you got the medical part of it, and you slap those together, and it's like you got like two of the crown jewels of like Asian culture, for and like your your parents can be so proud of you, right? My son's an engineer, and he's gonna do something in medicine, right? All in one. So I was like, this sounds awesome, right? Um, uh, but you go into that, um, and then uh, that that was a little difficult for me, uh, so I, I went into biology for a while, and then I finished school with a mechanical engineering degree. Okay, so at least I finished with half of it. One of the jewels. Um, but but that's that's like the great hope, you know. You're just looking for this title. It's like I want to be this, you know. It's like, um, you know, it's like it's, it's like great hope. Like no one in in high school, junior high, they're not like I don't want I want to be a trash man when I grow up. I want to work at the grocery. You no, know, it's it's always like something big. Like I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be, uh, you know, an athlete. I want to be something, right? And it motivates you and it drives you. And through college, I suffered, you know, all sorts of all-nighters and studying for exams and, and sleeping late and waking up early and doing all this stuff so that I could have this title, right, engineer, like this great hope, and make money, right, which I, don't know, I should have made other choices. But, uh, but make money, right? If you just want to make money, there's other choices. But um, I chose all these different things. And, and then finally when I graduated and I worked and I'm sitting there in my cubicle from you know, eight to five every day and, and, you know, just the same day over and over and over. And after you work, you have like one hour to eat and then two hours before you have to go to sleep and you got to maximize that time. And you're like, this sucks. Why did I choose this? Right, for me, at least. Okay. And, and I suffered because all of a sudden that hope that I thought was so good, right, that, the, you know, everyone puts such great emphasis on when you're in high school and college, you know, get that title, get that certificate, get that degree, Right? And I'm living that degree, right? I'm living my hope, I find out it's not great. Right? Or it's not as great as I thought it was. Right? And, um, and so I suffered. Right? The suffering, it, it hurts now that it's not, um, you know, it's not great. Right? It diminishes. Right? Our tolerance to suffering diminishes as, as uh, our hope diminishes. Okay, so... Um, Great hope. We need to have great hope, right, to endure great suffering. We need to have great hope to endure great suffering. All right, so what is it that we're looking for? All right, what is it we're looking for in suffering? What is it we're looking for? All right, when we're going through times of suffering, right, and, and you know, as I, as I was just, you know, thinking about the message after I gave it first service, it's like, you know, it's, it's not like this easy formula. You know, rejoice in your suffering, walk out the door, yay, okay, everyone's fixed. All right, we're all good. All right, but... I realize it's hard. I realize it's hard. Okay, this, this sermon isn't meant to be an easy answer or an easy pill. Okay, but it's it's to give us perspective, right, and to shape our attitudes. Okay, so as we're going through suffering, uh, what are we looking for? Okay, as you're going, as, when you're in suffering, you're looking for peace. Right, you're looking for grace. You're looking for rest from the suffering. Okay, now inevitably, when, when you're suffering, this is what you want. Okay, when when I'm uh, suffering, whether it's big or small, you know, I, I you know, I'm tr- tracking through with work in this case for this message, but you know, there's much greater suffering than that, uh, as Pastor Susan was talking about. 
Uh, but as we're going through that, um, you know, um, just like um, Timothy's song, The Little Baby, his parents, they're wanting peace. They're wanting grace. They're wanting rest for their child. You know, and if they get that and get a, and end this suffering, you know, that's the goal. You know, that for them, that's what they're looking for. That's what we're looking for. You know, how do we get this? Okay, so how do we get this? Uh, let's look back at our passage, right? Uh, verses 1 and 2, right? Verses 1 and 2 um, obviously lay the groundwork for verse 3 that we've been looking at, right? And these are important verses, right? And um, we get peace, grace, and rest through Christ. Right? He is our ultimate peace, our ultimate grace, and our ultimate rest. And it says it in verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, right, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or in other words, through Christ we have peace. Right? And this is an ultimate peace. Right? It's an ultimate peace, peace with God. Right? Verse 2, through him, through Christ, we have act, obtained access by faith into, his, into this grace. Okay, so through Christ, we have grace, right? the grace in which we stand. Right, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, through Christ, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Right? Or we rejoice in the heaven that is to come, or you, know, you can call it the rest that is to come, our eternal salvation. Uh, you know, through Christ. So through Christ, we have peace. Through Christ, we have grace. Through Christ, we have eternal rest, right, in the glory of God. Right, Christ provides us, to, provides us these things in two ways, right? The first one, you know, Christ suffers for us, right? I mean, this is what the cross is all about, right? One of the things the cross is all about is Christ suffering for us, taking on all our suffering so that he can in turn give us the joy that he wants to show to us. He wants us to have, right? But not only that, right, Christ suffers with us. Right? When we look at Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about Christ as the great high priest who, who knows our suffering. Right? He knows what we're going through because he's been there. He's not just, uh, you know, you think about all the politicians in Washington and the biggest complaint about them is they have awesome health care while the rest of the country is just tinkering. How can they even make choices for us? because they don't even know what the rest of the country is going through, right? And that's not our God, right? Our God has the same health care we do, right? And he's suffering. He suffered with us. He knows our pain. He knows our suffering, right? So whether, you know, we're looking for a hope to hold on to, the hope of glory, or whether we're looking for a friend to hold on to, right? He's there in both capacities, right? Christ is our great hope, right? He is the reason we can suffer through great suffering, Right? The, again, uh, you know, the suffering isn't aimless. Right? It's not a purposeless suffering. Right? It is for um, our endurance, for our character, right? for our hope. Um, so let's talk about work a little more. Right? Let's make this a little practical. I've been talking about work. Uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, I know, because I've been like you. I'm still like you, right? But, uh, you know, I work, and it's, it's, it's a grind, right? and it's hard. It's like, what do you do? Or what do you say? Like, okay, I know the rejoicing and the suffering thing, so what do I do tomorrow morning? Right? What's different? Right? What's the cog in my mind that changes uh, how I think about life and how I think about uh, this, this form of suffering, right? which is a meager, I don't know, 
I can't say meager because there's so many different degrees, but it's, it's a, in, in a, when you look at the rest of the world, it feels like a very meager type of suffering, right? But we make such a big deal out of it. Uh, but, but what do you do? What do you do? Um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Let me read that to you. Um, a lot of you, if you feel like you're slaves at work, right, this will ring out especially to you. Uh, it says, slaves, obey your earthly master in everything. Right? Who had it worse than these guys? when it comes to work. Slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything and do it not only with the eye that is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Okay, so, so what's Paul telling these people? He's telling slaves right, that probably have it worse than us, right, probably have it worse than us, right, to work with all your heart as if working for the Lord. Right, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord right, as a reward, because it's Christ you're serving. Right, what's he telling them? He's telling them, rejoice in your suffering. You have a great hope. Put, put your eyes on Christ. Put your eyes on the hope that you have, the reward that you have. Right? Don't work for money. Don't work for this life. Work for Christ, right? which, is, which is what this passage is saying. Right? Character, endurance, you know, hope. Right? This is how you can suffer. This is how you can bear it. Right? When your master beats you, whips you, this is how you endure this kind of suffering. You hope in the Lord. This is your great hope. Right? This, this, is, this, is, this is it. Okay, we, we got to change our attitudes. And, and you know, I, I, I told you, like, I've, I've been there and I know it. And it's, it's for me, uh, I was talking to one of the people in the first service. Like, to me, it's like, it's, it makes, it, it, it changed my life, right? When I kind of understood this and I was living it. Okay, like, you know, I said I hated work, and it's like it's just a grind, and it was a weight on my life, and it was it was suffering. Okay, but when when I learned to change my attitude and change my mindset and work as if to the Lord, okay, work became something different. It wasn't enjoyable. I didn't wake up and be like, yeah, shower time, let's go to work, right? You know, it's still it's like I said, it's still hard, right? But it's different. It's different. I started looking at work, uh, for me, a, a little bit as a missions field. You know, it's like I got opportunities to talk with people that no one else can talk to. Uh, I started looking at work, um, you know, as an opportunity to make, get resources to, to give offering to church, to support people, to do different things. Um, and, and it changes. It changes your mind. And so uh, you wake up in the morning and, and you're thankful. Okay, and you're thankful. Okay, but... but um, you know, it's it all. It's all in the hope that we have because of Christ. Right? We have this hope. Okay, let me end with one story. I end with one story. There's this pastor who wrote. I guess he wrote some book, but let me just read it to you. Uh, he said, "I'm not a connoisseur of great art, but from time to time, a, a painting or picture will really speak a clear, strong message to me." Uh, some time ago, I saw a picture of an old, burned-out mountain shack. All that remained was a chimney the charred debris of what had been the family's sole possession. Uh, 
In front of this destroyed home stood an old grandfather-looking man dressed only in his underclothes with a small boy clutching a pair of patched overalls. It was evident that this child was crying. Uh, Beneath the picture were the words which the artist felt the old man was speaking to the boy. Uh, They were simple words, yet they presented a profound theology and philosophy of life. Those words were, Hush, child, God ain't dead. Uh, That vivid picture of that burned-out mountain shack, that old man, the weeping child, and those words, God ain't dead, keep returning to my mind. Instead of it being a reminder of the despair of life, it has come to be a reminder of hope. I need reminders that there is hope in this world. In the midst of all of life's troubles and failures, I need mental pictures to remind me that all is not lost as long as God is alive and in control of his world. And when you think about that picture in your mind, we have the opportunity to be either one of those characters in that, sto- in that picture. And a lot of times we choose to be the complaining, crying, anxiety-filled child, right, regardless of whatever our suffering is. Or we have the opportunity to be the old man who's wiser, who knows a big God, who has faith in Christ and knows that God isn't dead. And I have, when we have a great hope beyond our possessions, beyond our home, beyond our money, beyond the things of this world, right? and he can say, hush, God isn't dead. Right? And we've got to make that decision. Who are we? Who are we? Okay, so why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? Um, God, we do thank you for your word, and uh, we do thank you that uh, you walk with us through suffering, uh, that you uh, died for us uh, so that one day we could suffer no longer. Uh, But while we're on this earth, uh, we pray that we might do well uh, with the suffering that is upon us, uh, knowing that it builds endurance, that it builds character, uh, and that it refines the hope in us to trust in you always. Please keep teaching us these things, and uh, though we fail over and over again, please keep bringing us back to Christ, bringing us back to the one uh, that renews us. And, uh, God, we thank you uh, that you love us in this way. Um, So, God, we just uh, pray again. uh, All these things in Jesus' name.